Welcome to the Children's Book Author Podcast. I'm your host, Eleanor Page. If you write for children, or it's always been your dream to, you're in the right place. As the children's book author, I'm on a quest to discover everything there is about writing, publishing, and marketing children's books, as well as how to supercharge my creativity, skyrocket my productivity, and absolutely everything else there is to know about how to be the best, so you can be too. Join me as I interview fabulous guests and become the children's book author. Welcome back to another episode of the Children's Book Author Podcast with me, your host, Eleanor Page. Today, I had the pleasure of interviewing Edward Treyer, who is an author and the genius behind the Wishing Shelf Book Awards. Oh, we had the best chat. And I don't know how, because we actually talked for about 30 minutes We had so many problems connecting and Edward was beyond the most patient person I have ever interviewed to put up with it because uh, for some reason all the platforms were failing us and we, after, I think, I think we started the interview about three or four times. So he had to repeat himself, (laughs) poor thing. There were so many challenges, but we got there. And in the end, we ended up on Zoom and we had under 40 minutes But we talked about so many things. So let me begin. The first thing we really talked about was the Wishing Shelf Book Awards. And if you go onto the website, uh, which is thewsa.co.uk, that's T-H-E for the WSA, which is Wishing Shelf Awards, .co.uk, what really stands out is the first thing it says is, Adult and children's books, honest and in-depth judging, comprehensive feedback run by authors. And that's, you know, really we, we talk a bit about how so many book awards, you don't really know anything about them. And we had a laugh, like, do they even read the book? Huh? It didn't occur to me that they wouldn't, but maybe they don't. Well, the Wishing Shelf Book Awards definitely reads your book. And what's so unique about it is for children's book authors that's actually judged by kids who are the age that you've written the book for. So that is so unique and hence why I reached out to Edward to have him on the show. Now, Edward writes under the under several pen names, but the one that, he, you know, when you get to the website, he highlights is Billy Bob Buttons, which is, um, I think, the coolest name I've ever heard, Billy Bob Buttons. I want to get one of those books. I don't even care what's in it. But I guess, you know, from a branding perspective, it tells you straight away or tells me that those books are going to be lots and lots of fun. And kids, we talk about what do kids look for in the books they read. And I think sometimes we forget to think really much more deeply about our readers and the age groups that we're writing for. Edward really highlights that. Many people write books to get across a message and probably not enough to entertain. And if you can manage to do the two and the child doesn't even know that there's a message, then you've really hit the nail on the head. So we talk a lot about that. We talk about school visits 
and, you know, I'm still terrified of doing them properly. You'll probably hear me on lots of interviews asking people about school visits, hoping that one of them rubs finally rubs off on me and I get the confidence to really do it and do it well. I've done it a few times but not, I mean, you listen, for example, to Edward and he's like, yeah, you know, they're easy. I'm like, are they? But perhaps many of these authors are also, you know, fantastic performers and it's a very different skill, isn't it? Like the skill of sitting somewhere quietly and writing something and then the skill of presenting that or presenting anything on writing or drawing or creativity and also being entertaining with kids who are, I think, would be quite a tough audience. I'm just going to keep asking about that. You'll hear it over and over again. I'm warning you now. And uh, one day, hopefully, I'll do a podcast where I'm like, I've done it. And I hope you've done it too, because that's the point. We're doing this or I'm doing this to help you and me become better children's book authors. And, you know, you might not have even published yet and that's your hurdle. That's okay. You'll get there one day if you just keep looking at that thing and thinking, I will jump it. I will. And I I will jump the school visits hurdle one day. I will. (laughs) I am. (laughs) That's what i got to say. I am jumping the children's book visit hurdle. But that's where it's at. We've all got limitations and we've all got aspirations and we're also putting together a kind of individual formula and we have to decide which bits we want to do. So, you know, you'll hear, for example, Edward says, oh, you wouldn't want to do online. Well, that's where I've been putting my efforts really for the last, you know, few years and it is paying off, but it's really about where do you want to put them next? What eggs do you want to have in your basket? What tools in your little tool? Well, there's a word for that, but you get what I'm talking about. And that's the decisions we all have to make. And it starts by being honest about what you're scared of and what you're going to do about it because you can't just keep being scared. Eventually, I have to make a plan to get out there and just be willing to go out there and fail. And that's the bit, isn't it? We all have to be willing to go out there and fail. And I talk sometimes to authors who have written something and haven't, won't share it. And it's been there for like six years, perfecting it, perfecting it, because they're scared that when those readers read it, they'll hate it. But it's probably faster progress to be hated and to then move past that than it is to always be liked. I did go to a seminar one time, complete change of topic, where the organisers who, I can't remember, it was some sort of, you know, businessy type get out there course, and they said, please put your hand up if you gave a talk in a room full of thousands of people. Please put your hand up. Do you want them all to like you? Do you want some of them to like you? some of them to hate you and some of them to love you, which of the two would you pick? And do you know most of the room put their hand up for the first option? People would rather be liked by everyone than loved by some 
but then they have to be hated by others. And I often think of that because I know, and I, I'm not making it up, I absolutely know that this sometimes, oftentimes, holds me back. And I wonder if it holds you back or maybe it doesn't. And then, hooray, that's not your thing. Fabulous. But we talk about that and Edward is, you know, fantastic. He's so open and shares everything. I think you're really going to love today's interview. It's a nice bit of a shorty one too, so no excuses. You can squeeze it in while you do your walk or while you're washing dishes. I hope you enjoy the interview and I will see you on the next one. It gives me great pleasure to welcome onto the show today Edward Treyer, who is an award-winning and best-selling author of 19 children's, young adult and adult books. He writes under two pen names, Billy Bob Buttons, love that name, super creative, and Hickory Crowell, equally as creative, and is also the founder of the Wishing Shelf Independent Book Awards, which is where I found him. Welcome to the show, Edward. Thank you very much. Thank you. So tell me a little bit about your writing journey and how you ended up becoming a children's book author. Was it always that way? Did you start out as one? Uh, no, I started out as a teacher. I was an English teacher at secondary school in England. And then I did a lot of traveling to Japan and America and so on. And I was teaching as I went and sort of paid, paid my way, if you like. Uh, and then I wrote a book uh, called The Wizard's Bookshop, uh, which was uh, published in America in about 2001. And uh, that felt pretty good. So I wrote five in the set. And then I kept on going. I stopped teaching and uh, I started visiting schools as, a, uh, as an author instead of as a teacher. Uh, and I designed all these literacy workshops for them on planning and character development and so on. And I started doing book signings at the end of the day for the parents. And, and it got really, really successful. And then a few years ago, I decided to enter Book Award. And uh, I was quite disappointed. I actually did quite well. But they just seemed to want to sell me sort of stickers. So I realized that a lot of it was a bit dodgy. So I decided to set up my own book awards, uh, which I did. And I found lots of children in the schools helped me to judge the children's books. And I had lots of friends who were big readers. Uh, and I, so I set up these two reading groups, one in London, where I worked, and one in Stockholm, where I lived in Sweden, uh, about 60 adults. And uh, they judged the... Uh, the sort of fiction, non-fiction adult books. And then it grew, really. It grew from, I think, the first year, we had 40 entrants. So that year, basically, everyone <laughs> everyone got through to the final. And then, and now, I think last year, I think we had close to 700 entrants in the award. It gets a little crazy. But that was a crazy year, because that was sort of the COVID year. And everyone was bored to death. So they decide to enter a book award. Uh, so hopefully we're going to bring the numbers down a little bit this year, fingers crossed. Do you know, I've never, ever asked how many people enter book awards. I, I always wonder, particularly if I kind of get close to, I've never gotten first place, but close to the top, I'm like, is that because there were only, you know, five entries and yeah. I won number well, five? <laughs> you know, a lot, of, a lot of book awards will hide that information. They don't want you to know. But what we do is we, we tell the authors 
in the newsletters and on the Facebook page. And you'll see this later on. Not only how many have entered in total, but we'll tell you how many entered in each group, each category. So we only have, the, we don't have loads and loads of categories because, you know, a lot of awards with loads and loads of categories, I always find a bit dodgy. We always tell the, the authors how many entered in each category and how many finalists in each category. So we try and keep them up to date with everything that's going on. So we're very, very open. You know, we'll tell you anything, basically. It's, it's, it's no problem. That's that's amazing to have that sort of honesty and integrity straight off. And did you design the awards because, as you said, off the things that you hated? So, you know, when you entered, you thought, I'm not going to do it that way. Well, the problem is with a lot of book awards is who runs them. So they're run by some company that, you know, are in it for the money because there's a lot of money to be made. Now, we run run not-for-profit, so we make no profit. Every penny goes back into the awards. Um, And anything we make over goes to Blind Children UK, which is a charity we support. So we don't make money. But a lot of them, most of them are there to make money. So they're going to do everything they can to do as cheaply as possible and to get as much money to milk the author as much as possible. And that's what you've got to watch out for. So there's there's Ali, the Alliance of Independent Authors, now, we're recommended by them. And if you are thinking of entering a ward, check out their website, look at the awards they recommend. There's a few, but they'll also give nice big red warnings for the ones that are a bit dodgy. And a lot of them, you know, they're just, they're just trying to make money and they won't really tell you who the judges are or, you know, how many are entered because they don't want you to do the maths and work out how much money they're getting in. So you've got to be very, very careful. Do your research before you enter any book award or do anything in self-publishing, actually, because... I think sometimes it's seen as a big cash cash cow by a lot of people. So you've got to do, you know, do check everything out before you get involved with an editor or publisher or anyone. Check check them out fully first. That's really really sound advice. And I'd never thought to check book awards on the Alliance of Independent Authors. Yeah, I know they they look at a lot of other things. But I had no idea. And I do get emails from like strange awards saying, you know, enter our awards. So how do you manage all the people that are judging? Like, is that a, a hard process? Like, do they change constantly? What's that like on your end? Yeah, it, it's it's a pretty big job. So I have three members of staff, if you like, but they're sort of, I think members of staff is, sounds a bit, you know, bigger than it is. Uh, they're part-time and, and we do pay them a little money, but they do it for fun as well. And they help me to organize the reading groups and to to help, you know, all the logistics of running the awards. It, it's huge. I mean, just organizing the feedback. Because most book awards, they won't give you feedback. Because if they give you feedback, you'll know they haven't read the book. Because so, they won't know what to write. So we give a lot of feedback, a lot of statistical feedback, paragraphs from the, from the readers about what they thought about the book and catchy quotes and all sorts. But that part of the award is huge. It, to get out... 600 feedback from a minimum of 15 readers for each book is it takes forever it takes forever but we get it done every year just just about (laughs) that is actually mind-blowing that you give feedback like that you're right I've never gotten feedback and I've often thought they do read the book don't they well (laughs) I would guarantee it yeah (laughs) Do you know that never occurred to me that they didn't read the book? Oh. My goodness. So I wonder what are they judging it on then? Just like the front cover or something? Uh, or? 
Wow. So that's, that's just massive. With the, um, with the kid, with the children's book, uh, reviewers, it's actually children who are reviewing sometimes, right? Or actually yeah, totally. giving. Totally. Yeah. So we, our award is based around it being judged by the intended reader of the book. I personally believe, you know, you can get someone who's 60 years old, knows everything about publishing, but why are they judging a book for seven year olds? Because it's not for them, it's for the seven-year-olds. And they'll look at things that seven-year-olds don't care about. And it's what the seven-year-old cares about that matters. So what we do is, so if you enter, for example, uh, category two, which is a six to eight-year-old, then the the 15 readers that read it will all be six to eight-year-olds with some parents and some teachers helping them, of yeah. course. And they help them to write the comments because it's quite difficult at that age. But you'll be getting feedback from that readership. And that's why our awards is that little bit special, I think. That's really special. I don't know of another awards We're that, the only one, I that think. does that. Yeah. That's incredible. That's truly incredible. Tell me, given that you've been running this for so many years and, of course, you write your own books, what is it that children really look for in a book? What's kind of the winning ingredient, in your opinion? Well, you know, the cover is surprisingly important for young kids. They need to be pulled in by the cover, and the title is very important. It needs to be an exciting title, pulling them into the story. A little crazy, the title. You know, I wrote a book called The Boy Who Piddled in His Granddad's Slippers about a boy with superhuman weeing power, and it's an okay book. It's a fun book, but I wrote a much better picture book called Wide Awake, but all the kids want to read The Boy Who Piddled in His Granddad's Slippers because that's got the catchy title. So title is very, very important. Comedy is very important. Make the child laugh. They read the book. Not all the time if you're writing, you know, end of world dystopian type stuff. But, you know, a little humor. It greases the wheels. It keeps them turning the page. So that can be very important as well. And you just got to surprise them, you know. One of the biggest problems we have with picture books is that authors they try too hard to put over a message they try to preach too much and that is a huge problem with the picture books that we get entered so you get someone coming in and they think you know oh, i want to write a book that tells children it's important not to bully but they forget about the characterization they forget about the plot they forget about the humor it's just basically tell 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 don't bully and that happens a huge amount of time and often you have books that are beautifully illustrated, but the story is quite poor. And that's another problem that kids don't like. They don't want to be told, tell, tell, tell. They want to just try and work it out for themselves, you know. Yeah, such valid advice. So did you know to do that with your books, like, from early on because you taught English at school and you sort of saw this in the kids? Yeah, I mean, to be honest, I don't have a lot of deep messages in my book, you know. I mean, the boy who piddled in his granddad's slippers is teaching kids, you know, you can wee a long way if you really work hard, you know. That's, that's about the level of my, of my deep, meaningful messages. For some reason, particularly older picture book writers, retired people, they really want to pass on their knowledge and their experience, but often they don't know how to do it in a way that the child will get. So often I find myself, I also do some editing, not much because it drives me crazy, but I, I will occasionally do some rewriting of a picture book for an author. And often I'm just, I just try and make it funny and take out all the uh, sermonizing and, and try and, you know, the message is there, 
It's a bit like the Gruffalo. I always say this to authors with the Gruffalo. The Gruffalo message is brains is greater than brawn. Yeah. The mouse is cleverer than the Gruffalo, so he wins, even though the Gruffalo is bigger. But the author never says that. She never sums it up at the end with a paragraph. She just ends it with, there's a nut in the forest, and the, the nut tasted good or whatever. But any child will know that's the message. But she doesn't actually tell them. And that's the clever bit. And most picture book authors, particularly the first one, you know, they haven't been a child for a long, long time. They don't know how to do that. And that's one of the problems we have with the picture books. And that's why often the picture books don't do well in the awards. And, and some do, of course. So the children are, from what I'm hearing, in some ways, this, I'm probably going to say this totally wrong, but I'm just going to say it the way it comes to me. They're more intelligent than we give them credit for. Oh, yeah. Like, yeah. We don't have to spell it out for you know, them. My readers, my young readers, they, they can be quite evil. I mean, they're, they're <laughs> kids, they do say, what, what's that expression? Uh, you know, stupid people and children tell the truth. Yeah, something <laughs> like that. And the, the kids, the feedback they write for the awards is always honest. You know, they just and they don't like it. They don't like it. They just say, "I don't like it." You know, it's, it's boring. They, they, you know, this is boring. This piece of writing. They don't like it. And I don't change. We don't change the feedback. We write it as we say it. Because if we started changing it, where do you stop? What will offend and what won't offend? Every author is different. And I would say that ninety-nine percent of the authors uh, are very happy to get honest feedback from us, from the kids, from the adults who read it. A few percent, one percent every year get really angry with us. They get really upset. Uh, and, you know, they say it's terrible that we, but, you know, that's the world, you know, there's always going to be someone. But, you know, at the end of the day, we're honest. The readers say what they think. You know, if you don't like it, don't, end, don't enter my book, don't enter our book award and ask for honest feedback. Enter the hundred other book awards that won't even read it and they'll just say it's great and sell you winner stickers, you know. So, you know, you, you, it's the way it is. We're honest, so we tell the truth. But some don't like it, but most. Most are very happy to get real feedback. Most are very good. I think probably 1% negative feedback, you're doing pretty well. Yeah, so. yeah, yeah. <laughs> they get quite nasty though. But, uh, but yeah, generally we just, you know, we just call it a day. I, I tend not to get into an argument with them. I just, you can usually tell after one or two emails that they're, they're a little bit, you know, special. So we just, uh, <laughs> we just call it a day and let, let them get on with it, you know. Well, it's funny actually because I just got my, um, my reviews back for two of my books from your reviewers. And yeah. I just I thought it was fantastic because there was this line, something like, uh, this book reminded me of books by Enid Blyden and Roald Dahl. I thought, oh, my God, that is such a lovely compliment. And then the review went on to say, and this book was not quite as imaginative as Roald Dahl, but it was close. And I yeah, thought, I love that honesty. Yeah. You know, if you, get <laughs> like close, line. if you get close to Roald Dahl, you're doing well. So I wouldn't worry. You know. It was just, I thought it was actually, you know, gold to actually receive real feedback from a real child because you don't get that. You don't even get no, that on Amazon get reviews. No. Amazon reviews, the parents are saying, my kid liked yeah. the book, my kid didn't like the book. Yeah. You know, uh, and Amazon still reviews that, are very hit and miss. They're very hit and miss. Yeah. You don't know what's going on there half the time and who's writing them and why they're writing it and what they're agenda is and so on and you know where they're best mates with the author's girlfriend or whatever so uh, i i put if i'm buying you know if i'm buying a screwdriver from amazon there's five thousand five stars and three three thousand one stars you know it's meaningless after a bit so 
So how do we overcome, because, you know, a lot of people say to me, oh, yes, but you've got to kind of write the book for the librarian and the parent, not, you know, like, yes, the child's reading it, but they're the ones buying it. And, you know, there's kind of like these three audiences in children's books. Yeah. But at the end of the day, the child is the real audience. Do we just forget about the gatekeepers and really write with that child in our mind? Is that right? No, you you can't do it because. As you just said, the parents are the one with the, the with the credit card, so they're the ones buying the book. So you have to, you know, when you write, I I often say to children in my workshops, which is the most difficult blurb to write on the back of a book? Is it for a children's book or an adult book? And the answer is a children's book, because a blurb for a children's book has to entice the child and the parent. So it's actually got two audiences, um, but you have to keep in mind the parents and the school. So I always say to um, adults who, you know, they insist on putting swear words in a, in a children's book. And I say, well, you know, if you have to do it, do it. But, you know, the parents are the ones who are buying the book. They see that word. They're not going to buy any more books. And word gets around. And, you know, so just, just change it for something. It doesn't matter. The kids doesn't care. They want a good story, you know. So uh, So I think you do have to still think about the parents, the schools, the librarians and what they're buying because you've got to play the game. You've got to jump through the hoops a little bit. But I still think the focus should be on the reader. But just keep in mind who's buying the book at the same time, which is difficult, I know, but there you go. Yeah, but really good advice. Thank you. So in terms of doing school visits, I've got to be honest, I'm actually terrified of doing school visits. I have done a few, but, like, I love children but you're right, like it's really confronting, like having them kind of, you know, like judge you and your work on the spot. <laughs> so talk to me about that. Well, the, the thing with doing visits to schools is they buy your book if they're like you. So if I go up and do a literacy workshop uh, and, I'm re- and I try and be really funny, we have a great laugh, they enjoy it, you know, they really love the workshop. When they go out of school, they're going to grab hold of mom or dad or grandma, whoever it is, carer, and they're going to drag them over to buy a book or the book signing. But if I'm a bit boring and dry and stale and, you know, it doesn't matter how good the book is, the kid isn't going to want to buy the book. So the problem or the good thing about literary's workshop is that you have to give it all. You have to, you, they're buying you basically. And that's the way it is. And so I try and be quite outgoing and, and funny and, and make it a good laugh and, you know, the thing is, I've, I've done three, you know, visited three, over 3,000 schools. So, and I'm a teacher. So I, I've done workshops for, you know, over a thousand children at a time. And, uh, to be honest, it doesn't phase me in the slightest. It never even worries me. I don't even think about it. I just go and do it. So I don't get nervous, which is great. And I know a lot of people do. And you've just got to fight it and battle it and have great workshops and practice them because I think you'll get confidence and having good workshops that you practice. And the good thing is the more you do it, the more confident you'll get. So you just got to go out there and do it. The only way, really. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, just got to do it. So do, do you it. So you, you prepare it before, like you have a plan of attack in terms of what you're presenting, yeah? Yeah. So I design seven or eight different workshops on different subjects, uh, and I've given those workshops hundreds of times. So... I will change them slightly depending on the school and the, and the standard of the child and what level they're at. But, um, but I can almost do them without thinking. So you have that 
there, that confidence, because you know the workshop so well. So that helps a lot too. And what do schools and, and teachers want from a workshop like that? Like do they want like you to teach them, teach kids how to write their own stories? Do they want you to just present about yourself? Uh, is it a combination of that? They want a mixture of being entertained and educated. So if you can give a workshop to 300 10-year-olds and keep them sat on the floor and interested for one hour, you can't do that by just educating because they will die. They'll be bored to death after 10 minutes. You've got to balance it. So you've got to make a lot of fun and edu- and throw the education without them even knowing it. You know, almost slip it in under the radar so they don't even realize they're being educated. That's the trick, really. Uh, and it's a difficult trick, but it's just experience. You just you just get it after a bit. You just do. Yeah, so you would probably, like, do one and see what jokes completely yeah. flop. Yeah, <laughs> some of my jokes are terrible. So they go. I get rid of that joke. Uh, and then this one joke's brilliant, and then I use that for, like, ten workshops. And, I, you know, so, yeah, you, you just you know what works and what doesn't work, you know. And if you have a tough group, you know, okay, that bit of the workshop is pretty tough. They're not going to deal with that. So I'm going to skip that bit and we're going to go to question and answer and reading because that's a lot easier for them. You change it as you go. You just you just do it as you go. As you, go. you just get the hang of it after a bit. Yeah, so it sounds like like exper- with experience yeah. comes that sort of intuitive sense of, oh, this audience is not going to like this bit. Yeah. yeah so. So that's yeah, that's really really interesting. Yeah. It it I have like I said done a few, and they were for like early high school, and I found them quite good audiences. But I was worried about younger ones because I honestly my greatest fear is that they'd be bored. That that right. they're like, and and it's like, oh my god, what, and the teacher hates me. I've got this fear of teachers because I'm not one. I know you used to be one. But I'm thinking well, the teacher's going to hate me. Meet, I do sometimes meet very strange teachers. I have to. Do you? Yeah, it's a bit like it's a bit like the book awards. Ninety nine percent are lovely. That one percent is completely off the wall. You know, it's just the way <laughs> of the world. It doesn't matter what you do. If you change tires on cars for a living, ninety nine percent of your customers will be fine, and one will be completely bonkers. It's just it's just always that way. So it just uh, it you have to be willing to to fail in order to finally find yeah. how it works for you in a um, in a in a children's author visit. And do you think doing author visits was crucial for building your success or do you think you could have done it without it? How important are they in the scheme of things? Well, for me, they were the most important thing by far. Uh, you know, I mean, I sell tens of thousands of books to schools and parents and uh, it's all through the workshops and the book signing because I've met with over 800,000 children. So it's everything. And and anything is better than trying to market on the internet, which is, you know, you can't see the woods for the trees with the amount of authors pushing books or whatever or pushing anything. So I'm a big believer in, you know, meeting with your audience and, and directly uh, pushing the books to them, I find it a lot better. But it's but the difference is with children's books, you have a market because you have the schools. But yeah. adult books, it's a little more difficult to find the 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 venue to to actually you know showcase yourself. It's more difficult to find. 
Do you think, in your experience, was it difficult getting your foot in the door initially, being a self-published author? Did schools care about that or were they just more about what you were delivering? I would say that 95% of the time, most schools don't really know the difference between self-publishing and published. I think that authors very easily forget that they know because they're authors and they just think everyone else knows. But you go up to the average Joe in the street and you say, you know, what's self-publishing? Most of them wouldn't have a clue. So they, as long as it's a well-written book and it, and it, it looks the part and, it, and it's a fun story the kids enjoy and, uh, you know, it's not full of spelling errors and, you know, it's a, you know, it's a great read for the kids then the kid doesn't care. There's no interest whatsoever. They, you know, there's, there's terribly written traditional published books and there's terribly written self-published. They, want, they just want a good read and they really have no interest at all in who publishes it. Now, authors and publishers, they tend to worry about this a lot for some reason, but the, re- the readership really has no interest. They just want a good read. They don't care where, who, who published it. They don't care. They just want a good read, that's it. Yeah. Yeah, when you put it like that, it kind of just seems... Yeah, they have no idea what know. publishing is. They've never heard of what Create Spaces used to be called or, you know, Kindle or Select or whatever. They, they've never heard of any of this stuff. When you enter a book awards, again, 99.9% of people have never heard of the Wishing Shelf Book Awards. And they haven't heard of the, the Forward Book Awards, the Writer's Digest Book Awards, or any of the million... They haven't heard of any of them. They're, and they have no interest. Why would they? But if you can put award-winning author on your on your novel, then that might help them to to persuade them to buy the book to give you a chance as an author, and that's what it's there for. So, I mean, many years ago, I won the People's Book Prize, which is a, a quite a big award in the UK uh, for I think I Murdered Miss, which is a middle grade uh, novel, and I've never met anyone that's not an author who's ever heard of uh, that book award, uh, the People's Book Award, the UK People's Book Award. But it's quite a big one, but no one's heard of it. But when I put that in my blurb that goes out to the schools saying I'm a winner of the UK People's Book Prize, then I get a lot more schools booking me in to do visits. So it's like a tool in a toolbox. You know, you you use it to get what you want. But don't ever think that, you know, someone's going to go, Oh, the you know the this book award. Oh, that's not as good as this book award or that. They, they have no clue. It's just like they don't know. Ninety nine percent of people don't know which tire is the best tire for your car. You know, exactly the same thing, really. But you just got to. I always say to authors who enter my book awards, you've got to have like a marketing plan. You know, wh- why are you entering it? Wh- wh- what's the point? Are you entering it because you want to tell people you won a book award at, at dinner parties? Yeah. If that if that's what you want, that's fantastic. No, it's brilliant. Go for it. You know, if that's your reason, then that's fine. If your reason is because you want to put, you know, uh, award-winning author on your um, uh, on your uh, on your book, then again, that's a good plan. But you need to have a plan. That's the important thing. Yeah, really solid advice. To be honest, I you know won a few awards and I haven't put it anywhere. I've thought, oh, I don't want to be like a bragging author You've because got to I brag. won an award. <laughs> right? You have to brag. To you that. have to brag. You have to sell yourself. That's the, you've got to sell yourself. 
uh, and you yes. know, you've got to put it everywhere just because you know why not? Everyone, you know, you gotta you gotta sell yourself, battle on. And as you say, the schools, more schools booked you when you had that in there. Yes. Yeah. yeah, really interesting. And not and not one of those teachers ever heard of the UK people's right. book price, but they all booked me now because I I won it. So for 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 they know it could be run by you know a short man in a shed. You know they they have no idea. So. But it's actually a really good award, but they don't know that. So there you go. <laughs> no, that's that's excellent. And so when you write, like, is it? Do you love middle grade especially? Is that? I tend to write. I have a sense. Yeah. Maybe you do. Yeah, I tend to write mostly for middle grade. But you've got to remember those eight to eleven year olds. They're primary school, and primary right. school is the best schools to visit as an author because they get picked up by parents. So if they're being picked up by parents, then the parents can come and buy a book. But high school kids, they're not picked up by parents, so you can't do a book signing. So everything's for a reason. So I do middle grade because that's my market where I can sell to within the school. Yeah. And they're my favourite age group in general, like in the whole you know psychology of life, you know, all the different yeah, psychological levels of being. I think like 8 to 11, 12-year-olds are like this sort of little mystical pocket where yeah. they're kind of like innocent and yeah. fun they and love they love reading. adventure. Yeah, well, they love, love reading. reading. You get to teenagers, they can be a bit difficult, you know. I have teenage daughters, nightmare, you know. I mean, but when they were when they were ten, they would they read every day. But now, you know, it's very hard to get them to read. So, and I'm an author and a teacher, and I can't get my teenagers to read. You know, that age group is lovely. They're they're great fun to work with. And they love reading, uh, and the parents pick up. So it's all, you know, you know, it's not broken. Why fix it? Perfect. Yeah, exactly. What do readers at that age group look for? Still humour. They like yeah. humour still at that age. Good adventure, excitement, uh, fun characters to fall in love with. You know, exciting mm. covers. What you would expect, really. Um, mm. They don't like to be sort of told everything. You know, show don't tell. They love, you know, they love the showing. Is a lot better. And they don't like to be preached to. You know, the preaching doesn't work. You know, if you if you want to put a message across in your book, then make it very subliminal, make it, you know, you can hardly find it. But if you, any book that's entered the book award where it really is a message book, you know, an, an author trying to put across a message, generally speaking, the teenagers, they won't like it. Got it. Yeah. And I'm conscious of the time because we've got, yeah. for some reason, a time limit today yeah, on our recording. Yes, we're on Zoom, so yes. Yeah. I've loved every single thing you've said. Um, what I'd love to finish on is uh, the Wishing Shelf Independent Book Awards. Where are they at this year? Like, when is like the cutoffs? When is the next round of of yeah, uh, so judging we were, happening? We work yearly, so if you want to enter the 2022 Book Awards, you can enter any time in 2022. So the cutoff okay. is 31st December 2022, and then we announce the finalists in March, and then the winners one month later in April. So we so basically you enter in the year you want to enter 2022 and then sort of a couple of months after that everything you start getting the finalists the the winners all the feedback going out certificates medals um and so on and so on so it, it all kicks off a couple of months after the end of that uh, calendar year so if you want to enter the 2022 book award now's the time to do it 
Well, that's another very logical thing about your awards. You know, the greatest frustration is when I go to enter an award and they end it in April and I'm like, huh? (laughs) Very simple. We keep it simple. Simple's good. (laughs) And so between the cutoff and then like April, is everybody reading and reviewing like Yeah, they're really reviewing all year. But it gets really intense those three months. Uh, But they read and review all year because we guarantee 15 readers will read each book. So that's a lot of readers. Um, so, uh, that's why we work with PDFs and not actual physical books, because otherwise we'd be posting books all over the world. So, and it works pretty well that way. We found it works well with PDF. So, yeah, no, they're reading all year and right into March. Wow, that's brilliant. Well, authors, you're hearing this on this podcast. Jump on and enter those awards. Although we will give Edward a lot more work if we all do that. Yeah. So, sorry about that, Edward. Um, <laughs> but that's all good. Thank you so much for being on the show. I know we've had a limited time, but I've so enjoyed learning from you and I I definitely have learned a lot from you today. So thank you so much. No problem. Did you find that interview valuable? Great. Now be an awesome human and go and leave a review because it helps the podcast out so much. Want to read the show notes? Check out thechildrensbookauthorpodcast.com Want to find out more about me, Eleanor Page? Find me at eleanorpage.com or come and say hello on social at Eleanor Page Books. Until next time, keep writing and keep learning.